Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you. Many years ago, through the pen of Moses, and under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, Genesis 17 was written. So, Father, we're just praying today that you would take the words that are on the page and that you would breathe upon them, Lord, make them alive, make them applicable to our lives in 2022. And I pray very specifically, Lord, uh, that you would highlight to each of us that portion of Genesis 17 that would apply to us, that you, you're trying to speak a, a rhema word to us. So, Father, we thank you ahead of time uh, that you will communicate, uh, that you're going to touch our hearts by your presence. And it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's jump into Genesis 17. Now, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him and said, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful, and I'll make nations of you, and kings shall come forth from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And I will give to you and your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God said further to Abraham, now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout your generations. And this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you, and your descendants after you, every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you who is eight years old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who is born in the house or who is bought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants, a servant who is born in your house or who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. 
But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Then God said to Abram, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I'll bless her. Indeed, I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face, and he laughed, and he said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. But God said, no. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I'll establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I will bless him and make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He shall become the father of 12 princes, and I'll make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at the season next year. And when he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all the servants who were born in his house, and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abram's household, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin that very same day, as God had said to him. Now Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. The very same day, Abraham was circumcised, and Ishmael, his son, and all the men of his household who were born in the house or bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Okay, there we go. Genesis 17. So again, uh, when I'm looking at Genesis 17, I kind of broke it down into five distinct parts. Uh, part one, God is almighty. Part two, that we need to walk blamelessly in our conduct. Part three, God's covenant to Abraham. Part four, the sign of circumcision. What's that all about? And then the last part five, uh, Abraham's journey of faith. So let's jump in right in the beginning. Uh, it starts right there in the beginning. Uh, we're going to spend a, a good amount of time in the first two verses. And God, as he addresses Abraham, starts out with this statement. I am God Almighty. Okay? I am God Almighty. He didn't say, I am the God who has some might, little might. He said, no, I am the God Almighty, meaning I have all power in the heavens, and I have all power on the earth. Jeremiah the prophet, uh, put it this way in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. He said this, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth 
by thy great power and by thine own outstretched arm. And then at the end of that, Jeremiah said this, nothing is too difficult for thee. So let that sink in a little bit this morning. Jeremiah says, nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing. I underline the word, nothing is too difficult for God. One time, uh, Jesus was saying certain things, and uh, he and his disciples were going at it, going back and forth. And one time he said this to them in Matthew 19.26. He said this, with men, this is impossible. But with God, you know what it, how it goes, with God, all things are possible. Okay? With God, all things are possible. So, brothers and sisters, this morning, we need to know we serve a big, big, big God, a great God, who can do impossible things. He gave Abraham, 100 years old, the ability to conceive a child. I mean, that's, that's really cool. If we look at the book of Exodus, we see a big God who literally opens up a Red Sea, literally splits a sea open so the people can go through. Uh, one of my favorites, and I, I, you know, if the Bible is true, which I do believe it is, uh, in the book of Judges, it says that Samson slew a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. Let that soak in. I don't know how, but God gave him supernatural strength to literally kill a thousand men. And immediately my said, no, no, come on, this is, this is too much. This is an exaggeration. But if the Bible's true, which it is, God literally did a miracle with Samson. And there's many other instances of the Old Testament where God displayed his power. And it's all through the New Testament, particularly in the life of Jesus. Through the life of Jesus, God literally healed blind eyes. He, he healed deaf people, dumb people. He stretched forth his hand and he healed lepers. With the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus cast out demons. He even raised people from the dead. So what am I really trying to get at here? I'm trying to say that there's nothing too hard for God. He can still heal diseases. He can still do financial miracles. He can still take broken relationships and put them back together again. He can intervene in crises. So I don't know what you're facing today. The difficulty, the problem that looks like a gigantic mountain before you. And it just looks like, oh, my God, that's never going to move. And it just, it's so big and it's so overwhelming. It's almost, it's almost like a Goliath that we hear the story of David and Goliath, this big giant. And we have these giants that face us and that can intimidate us. And what I want to say from here in the beginning of Genesis 17 is God can do something about that giant. God can do something about that problem that just seems to be unmovable in your life. He's big enough. Hey, listen, if God can make the heavens, if God can make the earth, if God can make everything in them, everything else really is a piece of cake. 
if we get our perspectives right. Sometimes I think we stare at the problems so much that the problems get bigger and bigger and bigger, and God shrinks. On the flip side, I think if we focus on God and keep seeing how big God is, the, the, the problems begin to shrink in proportion. So where is our focus? So today, I think it's really not the issue of God's power. He is all-powerful. He said it. I am almighty. So the issue is in his power. The, the question to me is, how specifically does God want to display his power in your specific situation? How does he want to display the power? We've seen all the miracles, opening Red Sea, healing, this and that. Sometimes God displays his power there. But you know, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what the thorn in the flesh was. But it's very interesting that God did not wave a wand for Paul and say, I'm going to do a miracle for you, Paul. I'm taking the thorn away. God did not take the thorn away from Paul. We don't know what it was. Some say physical illness. Uh, I'm prone not to believe it's that. I believe it was more that wherever Paul went, there were enemies that bugged him and dogged him, and they drove him nutty. But God didn't take this away. He said, no, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. So the issue isn't, does God have the power? He has the power to do whatever he wants in any of our lives this morning. The question is, how specifically does he want to display his power in your given situation? So what I think to me is extremely important is we need to hear God's voice. And that doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. Many times it's, it's a, uh, a trial and error thing. But we always know it's a given. God can do whatever he wants. He has got the power. The question is, Lord, what are you doing with your power here in my given situation? Is God going to do a miracle by removing a mountain? Good. He could move the mountain. I don't know what it is. He could also give you the grace to move through the mountain and not necessarily remove it. But I just want you to know this morning, we need to take some time and get our eyes away from our own little worlds and our own struggles and our own problems and our own heartaches. And we need to take time and just worship the Lord and remind ourselves of who he is, read the word of God, and keep getting deeper and deeper into our own consciousness that God is big enough to handle whatever is in your life or mine today. So that's number one. God is almighty. Okay, number two, going a little further. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Okay, so I don't believe by that God means you got to live a sinless life, that we're going to be perfect. No, no, no. We all sin. There's nobody perfect on this page here, not a one of us. So I don't think God's saying, walk before me and be blameless, meaning, i.e., you're never going to sin. No, no, no. I think what God was saying to Abraham is, Abraham, walk before me with the right heart attitudes. Abraham, I want you to love me with all your heart and your mind and your being. Abraham, I want you to seek my will. And Abraham, don't just seek my will, do my will. I think by the right heart attitudes, God was saying to Abraham, be a man of integrity. Be a man of good morals. 
be a man who loves other people. And I think what we need to realize is when God said to Abraham, hey, walk before me and be blameless, he's not just saying that to Abraham, he's saying that to us as Christians today. And there's the, there's the challenge I would I'd throw to you, I'd throw to me, because I have to throw it to me as well, if I'm going to throw it to you, is, is that my lifestyle? Is that what I'm intending to do? Am I intending to walk before God with a blameless heart? Meaning, God, I want to walk in a way that would please you, a, a way that would honor you. I want to love you. The two big commandments. I want to love you with all my heart, mind, and soul. And Lord, I want to love others as I would love myself. So there's the challenge. You know, and if we don't walk in a blameless way, that way, with that kind of integrity, we're going to short circuit our walk with the Lord. No doubt about it. It's not going to have the same impact because sin in our lives, it just, it begins to shut down the vitality of our walk vertically, and it shuts down the vitality of our walk horizontally. So that's a challenge for all of us. Is that my, my desire that I want to please God? I, I don't, I don't want to walk in a way that would dishonor him. Okay. So number one, God's almighty. He has power to deal with your situation. Number two, our heart attitude is we should want to walk in a way that would please him. Number three, God's covenant to Abraham. If you look at the 17, two, uh, God says this, I will establish my covenant. And when we look at the word covenant, the word covenant means a binding agreement, a binding agreement. So God's, when he does a covenant, he says, I'm going to do this and I'm bound to it. If I say something, I will follow through. I will follow through. So God said, and two, uh, I'll establish my covenant between me and you. I'll multiply you exceedingly. Verse four, he talks about a covenant again. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be called Abraham. And I'll make you the father of a multitude of nations. So the covenant, he said, number one, I'm going to multiply you. Through you, there's going to be many, many people that are going to be on the earth. Verse six, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I'll make nations of you and kings shall come forth from you. I'll establish my covenant between me and your descendants after you throughout their generations. For here it is, an everlasting covenant. That means right till Jesus comes back, okay? To be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession. I will be their God. So basically the covenant, God is saying, Abraham, you're going to have a child, and that child's going to have a child, and you're going to literally produce a, a race that's going to cover the earth. And he also said, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. It says for an everlasting possession. And there was a point in time where the Jews literally were cast out of Canaan, okay? Israel was unfaithful to God, and they were cast into Assyria. Judah was unfaithful to God, and they were cast into Babylon. But something happened just amazingly. It's a miracle. In 1948, God brought Jews from around the world back to Israel. 
And God said, this will be your everlasting possession. And guess what? God brought the Jews back, which is an unbelievable miracle. As far as I can see, that's not happened in any other people group. So God has made a covenant. The Jews have multiplied and they've got their land. So I think what we need to realize is when God says something, you can take it to the bank. When God says something, he will follow through. He may not tell you you're going to have a, a, a bundle of descendants or this or that. But we need to be searching the word of God and be students of the word of God. To see what are the promises that have as God given to us. This Bible is filled with thousands and thousands of promises that can literally be appropriated by you and me as Christians. In a sense, it's been deposited to your spiritual bank account. But folks, if you don't know what's in your spiritual bank account, you can't go and make a withdrawal slip and make that a reality in your life. So it's essential we know the word of God. And I think it's great. I commend you folks for getting up and sick doing this study and your own private Bible study. Because there you discover so many of the riches that God has, as I said, put in your spiritual bank account. For instance, Hebrews 13, 5. God says this, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Okay, there's a covenant in a sense. God said to his people, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to desert you. Okay, it's true. There's times you may not feel my presence. There's times I may, may seem distant or uninvolved in your life. But God says, hey, I want you to know I've given you a promise. And if I give a promise, I always fall through. I will never desert you, and I'll never forsake you. In John 14, 27, Jesus says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It's a promise. It's a promise. Jesus literally said that to his, his church. My supernatural peace I give to you. God's given this. The peace is, is it's coming your way. The thing is, again, we have to learn how to receive what God's wanting to give. That's a big deal for me now to learn that. I know God's getting to be, in my mind, such a big giver, but I'm having to learn how to receive what he's sending in my direction. So, okay. So, a covenant is a binding agreement. Here, it's between God and Abraham. But in a sense, there's a covenant where God has given each of us the new covenant of the Holy Spirit and all kind of promises, okay? Okay, number four, circumcision. You all know what that is. I don't have to give you all the description of that. I think we get it. Uh, but if you read uh, 17, 10, uh, God says, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of a covenant between me and you. And he goes on talking a little bit about the slaves also, that kind of a thing. He says, it's a sign of my covenant. Yeah, I'm making a covenant with you, Abraham, but the sign that I'm giving you, that kind of seal of the deal, is this circumcision thing. Now, what's interesting to me, that was for... Abraham in the Old Testament. But for us in the New, we have to unpack what's this 
mean the circumcision, okay? In Romans 2, verse 28 and 29, this is what Paul says. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. Another verse or two, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 19, Paul says this, Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but what matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. Philippians 3.3, 3, for we are those of the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. So if I put all that together, what I hear God saying is, in the Old Testament, circumcision was an external thing in a man's flesh. But God is saying, I think in the New Testament, that circumcision, it's not a physical thing in the body. It's a spiritual thing within somebody. There's an interesting verse uh, in Deuteronomy 36. This is even in the Old Testament. Catch this. Deuteronomy 36, moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, in order that you may live. So God's going to circumcise their hearts, okay? So really, for Christians, we don't do the circumcision physically, but it's more of an inside thing. And really, the sign of the covenant the new covenant is, is the sign of baptism, and we've seen that in church. I mean, some churches, in the Methodist church, we just took water and we kind of kind of doused you and sprinkled you or, or put it on your head. But I think what's cool in fusion is we take people and we actually put them under the water and then bring them out. And really, the sign of baptism is when you're putting somebody under the water, symbolically, they're saying, I'm dying to myself. I'm dying to living for my own agenda. I die to that when I go under the water. Because if, if you put someone under the water and you keep them there, guess what? They're going to be dead. And the symbolism is I die to me. Coming up out of the water represents new life. It represents resurrection. So when a, a, a new believer is baptized, they're basically saying, Lord, I die to my own lifestyle. I die to the attitude I'm first. I died to the attitude that I'm going to push my agenda. Lord, I died to it. And now you're number one. And my goal from now on is to hear what you want, and I'm going to follow you. That's the new sign. That's the circumcision that Paul's talking about of the heart. It's wanting to love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, and with all your soul. So that's number four, circumcision. And the last uh, is Abraham had a journey of faith. He had a, he had a journey, okay? It, it wasn't an instantaneous, super-duper strong faith. Abraham is literally called in the Bible the father of faith. He is the, besides Jesus, the ultimate illustration of what God's looking for when we trust him and have faith in him. But here's the good news. Abraham did not always have a super strong faith. His faith started small, 
but it built and grew over a period of time, which is tremendously encouraging to me because my faith may not be where I want it to be, but it can grow. And the beautiful thing is wherever you are in the journey, God can cause your faith to grow. Okay, God's not a respecter of persons. If you can see, uh, Abraham started a little shaky here. If you look at uh, 17, 17, uh, God says, okay, I'm going to give you all these descendants. Uh, uh, you know, show out, Abraham, I got it. But it says here, uh, Genesis 17, uh, 17, Abraham says, Abraham fell on his face. He laughed and said in his heart, will a child be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? In other words, he, he no, Lord, no, 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 this can't happen. So his face, it's not doing too well. It's, it's rather shaky. But here's cool. This is really cool. Look at, well, you don't have to love just the sake of time, if you look this up later, in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, yet where Abraham ended in his faith. So when you have a chance, look this up, Romans 4, 17, as it's written, a father of many nations have I made you. That's what God said. In the sight of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Now, here, here is Abraham in hope against hope, okay? He hoped against hope in order that he might become the father of many nations. He believed according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. So God said, you're going to have many descendants. Abraham got to the point where he, in hope against hope, he said, God, you said it. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's okay. You said it. And look at verse 19. Without becoming weak in his faith, Abraham contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Okay? Notice that. Without becoming weak in flesh, in other words, he he looked at the reality of his own ability to have a child at this age and Sarah, and logically and reasoning, he said, "Can't happen, can't happen, can't happen." But Abraham saw beyond his reasoning mind, and it says this: twenty. Yet with respect to the promise of God, so he didn't fixate on his problem or the impossibilities. He fixated on his God and what God had said to him. Verse 20, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief. He grew strong in faith. That's where we need to be. Abraham grew strong in faith. How do we grow strong in faith? He grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully assured that what he had promised, God had promised, he was able to perform. Therefore, also, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Abraham growing strong in faith. I can just see Abraham saying, God, I'm not focusing on my physical situation. I'm not focusing on the problem. God, I'm focusing on you. You are God Almighty. You have all power. You've given me a promise. You've said to me, I'm going to have a kid, even though I'm 100 years old. And I'm not going to look at the problem. I'm not going to look at the impossibility. I am fixing my eyes on you. God Almighty, who's made me a promise, 
And it says he grew strong in faith, how he worshiped God. He just said, God, you are worthy and you will do what you said you will do. And guess what? He gets the answer. So, and it's not like him. You know, Sarah had her issues too. At one point she laughs like, oh God, there's no way I'm going to have a kid at 90 some years old. Uh-huh. But if you read Hebrews 11, 11, listen to what this, this one little, one little verse, but it says something of what happened in Sarah. Hebrews 11, 11. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. Here it is. Since she considered God faithful who had promised. Isn't that cool? She grew in her faith that she says, God, you're faithful. If you said it, you will do it. So both Abraham and Sarah grew in our faith. And I, I want to encourage you. I don't know where you feel you are in the faith spectrum. You're like weak, shake faith, middle faith, strong faith. Your faith can grow. And I believe our faith grows the more we know who God is. Not just in our brain, but in our own personal walk and relationship with him. So if you want your faith to grow, get intimate with the Lord. Don't just know about God. Get to know him. Build a relationship with him. Study about him in the word of God. Look at how faithful he has been to people in the Bible. And as we study the word of God and we see what he's done for people in the Bible, it begins to kick in. Oh, Lord, if you've been faithful back there in the word, why wouldn't you be faithful to me? And another way to grow in your faith, I, I've said it many times, so I'll say it again, is keep a journal. And when God intervenes in your life, write it in your journal. God did this today. God did this miracle. God answered this prayer. And when you're going through the ringer and the hard time and the dark comes and you're disoriented and you're messed up in your head and your emotions are gone haywire, you can go back to your book and say, okay, everything's shouting the negative. Okay, Lord, you did this. You did that. You were faithful there. You did this. You came through here. And I think as we call God's faithfulness over a lifetime, we then have that assurance going into the future that if he was faithful back then, He's going to be faithful in the present, and he's going to be faithful in the future. So, folks, may we all have the faith of Abraham. May we all please the Lord as we trust him, not just on the, the, the good days. It's so easy to trust God when the sun shines, but it's not easy when the sun has an eclipse and everything is dark. That's really where the action is. So may we all grow in our faith. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you as we look at uh, Genesis 17. Thank you, Lord. You are God Almighty. You have all power, all might, Lord, to handle whatever is going on in each life on this screen. You have the ability, Lord. I pray you'd give us the ability to understand in specific situations, how do you want to display your power? By a miracle of, of changing something or a miracle of getting us through something? Now, Father, we just pray also. Uh, Lord, we don't get circumcision as Christians, but we are baptized. And it, it's a, a representation that we're willing to die to ourselves. Lord, help each of us on the screen to get past ourselves and to be able to really give you our life fully, that you'd have full sway in us and through us. And Father, I pray for each of us. Help us to grow in our faith. 
Help us, Lord, to fixate not on our problems or our emotions that go up and down and in and out. But Lord, help us to focus on you. Help us to focus on your promises. Help us to anchor into who you are. So Father, we thank you. We give you this day. Thank you what you're doing in each of our lives. Thank you what you're doing in Fusion Church. And we pray, Lord, that you would get the glory and you would get the honor and you would get the praise. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.